The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the ends of the street and the ends of the earth. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast. My name is Jarek Oxenine. I serve as a student pastor here at Providence, and today I'm joined with Ben Holden, our family discipleship pastor, and Scott Reiner, our kids pastor, and we have this one shared goal here at Providence to partner with our parents, and uh, we want to inform and equip uh, our parents to have these conversations. And this fall, we have specific topics that we're discussing with our kids ministry and students ministry, um, and we, every week we're going through uh, a study of uh, Ecclesia, which is defining and describing the church uh, with our kids, and then fear of man versus fear of the Lord with our students. But before we jump in, I want to start with a random question. What is your hot take right now? So if you don't know what a hot take is, it's an unpopular opinion, and that can be controversial, but it's where you stand firm in your opinion. I'll give an example that Apple Music is better than Spotify. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Scott. Scott, what is your what is, what is your hot take? My hot take right now is that I think bonfires are overrated in the fall too. Yeah, wow. like in the fall, like bonfire gathering around. Like, is it too hot? It's too hot sometimes. <laughs> it makes your clothes smell bad. Like, it's just not as fun as people claim it to be. Like, I'm okay just not doing a bonfire. Anti s'mores as well. I mean, s'mores they're definitely overrated. They're fine. Like, I'll eat them, but like. There's just way better things you could be doing than sitting around a fire, getting wow. smoke in your on your clothes and whatnot. I still remember when Scott put ice cream in the microwave just to warm it up because it's too cold to eat. Do you not know that? I do yes. not know that. And I learned recently that John Irwin supports me in doing that. So we have solidarity there. I mean, me and I John. like my ice cream to be softer, but I don't put uh, it in the microwave yeah, to right. accomplish that's, that. That's, I would say that's another. Well, say I have Scott. to put it in the microwave because if. I'd leave it out on the counter for 30 Someone minutes. Else will grab it. Mary will get mad and say <laughs> it starts getting too melted and it'll ruin it for the next time for her. So the compromise is I scoop out what I want, put it in a bowl, put it in the microwave and can, <laughs> so yeah, that's my summer hot take, I guess. Yeah, you know, that, if you just took that bowl to the bonfire with you, it'd soften it, it would soften it up real right nice. There. That's <laughs> true. But I don't have the option to go to bonfires. Doesn't like bonfire. That's controversial. That is very controversial. Ben, what is your hot take? All right. So, um, I, this is controversial. <laughs> Very controversial. But I think a lot of people hold the same view. Okay. And it's about essential oils. Okay. Okay. Essential oils are a scam and they do not work. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and, and I know I just made a lot of people mad. You did. Um, and uh, people who know me know this uh-huh. about me. I think they smell great. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. Okay. You know, if you want to, if you want some essential oils instead of a candle or you know, whatever. That, that's fine. But for medicinal purposes, you're do not <laughs> do not tell me that my headache is going to go away because I rubbed this essential oil stick behind my ears or whatever that's, it is. I I just I can't do it. Again, do it. this is a hot take. This is an unpopular opinion. I'll I'll say mine. Mine is I think electric cars and trucks are overrated, especially trucks. I mm. uh, there was a story that I saw a family they were towing a camper. And they had to stop every 100 miles just to charge. And then you have to charge for like 30 minutes yeah. for it to have full capacity to go again. But they would go every 100 miles. And I'm like, that that's not something I would. Well, and then you probably can't. It's probably not a good idea to like charge your phone while you're in the car. No. You're sucking down more energy. <laughs> every, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's good, Jarek. I think we just lost like 60% so of our voter, listenership uh, listeners because we just ticked yep. people off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, fear of man versus fear of the Lord. <laughs> Segue. Uh, last time we met, we discussed what is the fear of man and how do we see it evident in our life. And there are three main areas um, of shame, uh, rejection, or even harm. And we'll cover more of those details in the future um, episode. But two main truths that I hope you remember from defining the fear of man. Fear of man reveals that we have replaced God with people, and it also reveals that we have an identity crisis. And one of the quotes that we looked from Paul Tripp, he said, um, horizontally, we try to find our identity in things, whether it's people, places, or things. Um, but what people fail to realize is whatever, wherever you look for your identity will exercise rulership over your heart, and in doing so, will direct the way you live. And um, placing our identity in, in fearing man is like a house of cards that will fall every single time because Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says a fear of man lays a snare or is a dangerous trap uh, and it never will hold the weight um, that we were created um, for in our identity. And so, but that proverb also says whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so the only way we can find victory, freedom, uh, and fight against the fear of man is in our lives is that we understand and grow in the fear of the Lord. And so that's what I want to do for our time now is defining the fear of the Lord because the greater fear will displace a lesser fear. So if you fear man increases, the fear of the Lord decreases. If you fear the Lord, if the, the fear of the Lord increases, your fear of man will automatically decrease. And I love how Edwell says this, the first task in escaping the fear of man is to know that God is awesome and glorious, not people. So making God look big and people look small. And so to understand this, uh, we hear this phrase often, fear of the Lord. But how would you guys define the fear of the Lord? What does it look like in someone's life? And what passages come to mind when you think of the fear of the Lord? All right. So I'll use two words that kind of keep it at a very basic level, uh, but love and respect. Okay. Okay. So uh, fear of the Lord doesn't mean I'm scared of him, that I'm terrified of him. Um, but there, there is a respect, understanding who he is, what is, uh, what he's powerful and able to do. I mean, he's the creator of all things. He is the stainer of all things. Um, he is sovereign over all things. There's nothing that he cannot do. And so, um, living a lifestyle that respects God for who he is and places him in the right position, therefore in your life. But I think love is a big piece of that as well. Um, you go back to Deuteronomy 6, a passage that we talk about frequently mm-hmm. um, in family ministry, um, but the Shema, but you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. This, this is the first thing that Moses tells him, like, look, look, this is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's placing God in the right place, in the right position, in your heart and in your mind. He then tells him, hey, pass these things down to your children. But first and foremost, we have to do that. And that's all about the fear of the Lord. That's about um, loving and respecting him appropriately. Yeah. Good. I think about fear of the Lord. I, th- I think about seeing God rightly. Right? It's just the idea of we misinterpret the word fear a lot of times in this context. Because, Ben, like you said, it's not about being afraid of something, but it's about being in awe of something. Mm. And so you see this throughout the Old Testament, right? Like with Moses having to go up on the mountain and like the other people, like they, you couldn't look in God's glory was so great and so awesome and so powerful. Like there had to be this, this barrier, something between God and the people. And um, so that's like what somebody like Moses represented. And so I think about not being intimidated by something, but so I think about not intimidation, but trepidation. So it's not like I'm scared of this, but there's this all, there's this reverence about it. Like Isaiah 66 talks about uh, this is the one I will esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, who trembles 
at my word. And so to fear the Lord is this awe, this reverence, this trepidation, this trembling of what goes on. Have, have you guys read Paul David Tripp's book, Awe? I'm not. Okay, I highly recommend it to the two of you and everybody else who's listening. Okay. Um, but Scott, you're, you're right on. Um, that whole idea of awe, his whole premise is that we have an awe problem. And so our minds and our attention has been directed elsewhere rather than to God. And I think it fits in beautifully with what we're talking about. Yeah. And I, I love how Ed Welch defines um, fear of the Lord of, of reverent submission that leads to obedience because there's two sides of the spectrum when it comes to fear in the Lord is at first you see that there's terror, dread and trembling, but then you also see this astonishment, awe, reverence, devotion, trust and worship. One side of the fear of the Lord, you, you wanting to hide from him because of his holiness and his wrath and his judgment. But then the other side, we seek and draw near and submit to him because of that reverence, because of that imitation that he's given us. And the example I like to use is in Matthew 17, verses 5 through 8, where Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, that he uh, is with the Lord, and God responds and says, This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, and listen to him. And his disciples heard this, and they fell face down to the ground, terrified. So that's that terrif- uh, being terrified of the Lord, That uh, another example of fear. But Jesus came to them and said, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked, they saw no one except for Jesus. So there's this invitation of knowing that there should be this fear. There should be this terror and trembling, but there's also this invitation of a devotion and trust and worship. Um, so hiding from God, but then also drawing near and submitting to him. Um, and so that's reason I want us to start there is because uh, I love this quote by Ed Welch. He says, one of the greatest blessings in fear in the Lord is that we think often uh, about ourselves, but when our heart is filled with the presence of the greatness of God, there is less room for us to ask the question, what are people going to think of me, which is fear of man. So that greater fear, fear in the Lord, displaces the lesser fear, fear in the man. And so what does it look like for you guys, and how do we grow after we've talked about defining the fear of the Lord? How do we grow in our fear of the Lord, or how is the fear of the Lord learned? Yeah, I think you said this last time we talked about fear of God, fear of man. These quotes that you're you're saying are from Ed Welch's book, When People Are Big and God is Small, yep. right? And so that's a, a great resource to check out, Overcoming Peer Pressure, Codependency, and the Fear of Man. Um, that's the book these quotes are coming from. So one thing, as you talked about all this, I started thinking about this, the famous quote from the Puritan, Thomas Chalmers, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection, okay. and kind of equated yeah. this to fear of God, fear of man, right? So yep. Thomas Chalmers has this uh, great line that what we need to kill sin in our lives and to hate sin is not to work really, really hard to hate sin, but what we need to see is we need to have our heart stirred by a greater affection, a greater desire than whatever that sin is. And so that's works in our heart and the way that we hate the things of this world and the lust and the flesh of our, our fleshly desires is by seeing the beauty of Jesus, that expulsive power of the new affection for Jesus. And I think that kind of same idea goes on with this. Like how do you replace the fear of man in your life? Well, it's not working really, really hard to get rid of the fear of man. It's by leaning in and pressing mm-hmm. into yep. the fear of the Lord. And as we grow in the fear of the Lord and when we see God's holiness and we see his glory and his bigness, those things, it'll grasping those things will make all the other things in life slowly fade away. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It, it reminds me again of uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, exactly what you're saying, Scott. It's not that we try really, really hard, but we need to be, renewed we need to be transformed 
Um, and so h- how do we do that? Well, just a good practical way is, is, is the word of God is what transforms um, and renews our minds uh, to be able to um, not only have an understanding of who God is, but to see things the way that he sees things. Um, and therefore, um, our affections are going to be turned towards his affections. And so, I mean, yeah, you've got, the, you've got your basic disciplines of spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer. Um, I think, uh, Scott, as, as we've been mixing in this topic with uh, Ecclesia, right. what you're talking about with kids, uh, just the importance of being a part of the church. The, of the church. Yeah. yeah, so that other people can help you and challenge you to think in that way. Yeah. And quite frankly, just me being around other people yeah. that are that way, just hearing them talk and seeing what they're doing, it, it uh, helps me to, to contemplate, it challenges me, and, and it helps me um, better place my life in, in that way as well. I thought about Isaiah six with yeah. all this, right? So Isaiah gets into Isaiah six and he sees the glory of the Lord and he says, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And his immediate response is, this is Isaiah six, five, woe is me for yeah. I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. So yeah. I think a lot of times we have fear of man because like we think we're pretty good people. And so we just think we can kind of live our lives and do it. And when we see God's glory for what it really is, mm-hmm it really starts to put things into perspective and it realizes, man, I don't have it all together. And so Isaiah's first response to seeing the fear of the Lord, seeing the glory of the Lord is I'm not okay. Like I'm not a good person. I am sinful and I need help. And that's going to right there. He's greatly diminishing fear of man in his life because of he sees who he is in relation to God. Yeah. It puts him in in correct posture to God, which then also puts in correct posture and how we relate to others. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that vertical to horizontal. I love, also, going in the book, when people are big and God is small, uh, Ed Welch gives 10 steps or 10 ways uh, to learn uh, how to grow in the fear of the Lord. Uh, and specifically, he uses scripture. So he says in uh, first one, review the creation Psalms. And so Psalm 8, 19, 29, 65, 104, that looking out in creation, you get a the picture of how big God is and how he does create and sustain the earth. But that revelation in general like general revelation through creation, it draws us in to think about who he is. Second one was meditate on enthronement Psalm. So this kingship of authority uh, in our lives of so Psalm 95 and Psalm 99. He also says, memorize Psalm 139, which I was like, man, that's a, that's a long Psalm to memorize, but that would be great. But he states knowing God's providence is extensive in your life of how you see the sovereignty and authority in your life. And so we submit to the Lord and trust in him because he knows everything about us. Uh, next one, he talks about re- reading books like The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul or mm. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. So understanding God's holiness, his justice, so these attributes and names of God starts to give us a p- bigger picture of who God is. So we know who God is, then we start to know more of ourselves uh, from that. Um, study passages on hell, which I thought was very mm. interesting, but to think about the wrath of God um, that is due for all of us. So, so that's the terror, right? That's the fear. But what's so unique about this is that when you think about the wrath of God, you think about how are we saved from the wrath of God, which is through Jesus Christ. So now you start to see, recognize the bad news because we're sinners before a holy God, but salvation through Jesus Christ is the good news that we celebrate. And when we think about that truth, that starts to be reflected in our lives, in our meditations, in our walk. Um, and then he talks about uh, take time to confess the fear of the Lord or fear of man in your lives. And so opportunities where we see this, that time of confessing and confronting it, um, questioning our fear of man, and then courageously thinking about the fear of Lord in our lives and asking the Holy Spirit to help us have 
like you said, Scott, a greater affection for the Lord, a greater fear of the Lord that displaces that lesser fear. Um, so when you think about, um, you know, wanting to grow in the fear of the Lord, and I think this is just like sanctification, it's a lifelong process. This is not something that um, you're going, you're going to wrestle with the fear of man, in my opinion, the rest of your life. And I, I've seen it in my life. And, but growing in the fear of the Lord is also going to be a lifetime process of pursuing. But how does the fear of the Lord shape the way we live? So when we think about scriptures, uh, stories from scripture that paint a picture of individuals who fear the Lord. So we see fear in the Lord actually causes people to be more courageous. It causes people to be more concerned about God than anything else or anyone else. And so are there examples that come to your mind that just kind of inspire you and um, from scripture? There's lots of examples. Yeah, yes, Jarek. Do it. Who wants to start it? <laughs> I, I think of the story of Esther because it's a, uh, you see kind of the fear of man issue. Like there's all these people like saying like, are you going to choose to obey God or choose to obey man? And there's all this pressure to fit in with the crowd. I mean, it's very applicable to, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers today. Like, do you want to fit in with the crowd or do you want to do what God says? And, uh, you know, Mordecai tells Esther, you know, famous verse in Esther four, like God has put you for such a time as this, like you have a chance to either fear man or fear God. And Esther chooses to fear God and uses it to bring redemption uh, for, for their people. And so I, I think about stories like that. Yeah. You know, Jarek, you, you said, how does the fear of the Lord shape the way that we live? Just like you said, it gives us courage and it gives us boldness. And so when I think of that, I think of Daniel. Yeah. Um, and uh, you look through, especially the first half of the book of Daniel, but you see um, time again and time again of him standing up this is what I believe. This is who I see God to be. And it doesn't matter who else is around me. I mean, he's taken into captivity into a totally different land with different customs, different beliefs, different everything. And he says, that is not going to, that is not going to be an excuse for me to back away on who I believe God to be and yeah. therefore how I'm going to act. And so yeah. even at the very beginning of the book, Hey, I'm not going to eat that food. Um, that is being provided for me and I'm being told to eat. Um, I'm going to, to stand up. Uh, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Um, and I'm going to kind of put some things on the line here and say, um, can you serve me something different? Because I believe that God's going to be faithful. Yeah. You see um, later on down the road, I mean, the one that we all learned when we were kids, but what Daniel in the line said, I love how mm -hmm. there's always the picture of Daniel just sitting there with these calm, sweet mm -hmm. little lions, which is not at all picturesque of what was going on there. Um, he knew what the consequence would be yeah. if he continued to pray to God. And not only that, but he did not go and hide his prayers. He still prayed openly Public. and publicly yeah. and boldly. And he knew what was going to happen. And he said, okay, God, I trust in your promises and I trust you have called me to do this. I fear you far beyond I fear these men. Um, and we know the end of the story. He was. He's thrown into the the, the lion's den and uh, he came out the next morning um, yeah. alive. Um, and, uh, and then I also love Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I mean, that's just a, that is a story of, uh, of boldness. Um, we, again, we see what, what is going to happen to us. We believe our God's going to save us, but even, even if, if he doesn't, doesn't, we are going to, we're going to follow him. Yeah. Jarek, I think, you know, this question, how does the fear of the Lord shape the way we live? I think, understanding the gospel is a huge part of that, right? A lot of times we don't fear God correctly because we, we see our sin and we feel our sin. And so we go to God and we're afraid. 
right? The, the, the simple idea of like, after like, we know we're caught in sin and it's like, I can't pray for like a couple of days because we, our natural tendencies, we got to clean ourselves up yeah. and then we can go to God. And like, that's not the way the gospel works, right? The gospel means mm-hmm. we are freed and forgiven and saved. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, you know, according to no works of our own. And so that freedom and that posture, so right, the fear of the Lord practically like having this lifestyle posture of worship, Romans 12, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, like all of that can only happen if we understand the gospel rightly and actually believe it and then relate to God accordingly. Because if we don't, our fear of God is going to constantly be God's mad at me. God's judging me. God's ashamed at me. So by believing and understanding, that goes back to the Ecclesia again, right? Foundation of the church is built on the gospel. Well, fear of God is, is built on the gospel as well. And then from that, it allows us to go to God and see him in his all and his glory and realize, man, God is holy and I'm unholy and God saves me not because of anything I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. Yeah. And speaking of the, the gospels, last time we met, we talked about Peter being ashamed uh, and denying the Lord in three times. And so to a servant girl, right? And so we saw the fear of man in his life, but I also love how we see the story where he's fearing the Lord. And I, in Acts 5, where you see that the apostles, they were thrown into jail, but the Lord uh, opens the doors, brings them out, and he says, go stand in the temple courts and tell people all about this new life. And they're doing so, but then uh, the apostles were brought back in before the Sanhedrin and the high priest, and they gave them strict orders not to teach, but the Peter, who just denied Christ, uh, but now after seeing the resurrected Christ, uh, has so much courage and boldness, he says, we must obey God rather than man. And that's why they continue to say that we are witnesses of these things. And so this is, and so this is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us to obey. And I love how that's an example that we see in our lives where, hey, we fear man before, but then you see Peter being in life where he's fearing the Lord. I just love that example because you see the, the fullness um, of how, like you like you said, Scott, like we do confess our sins when we fear the Lord, but God is faithful and just, uh, fear man, but God is faithful and just to forgive us. And now how do we live this day in fearing the Lord versus man? And so like, there's going to be this lifelong process of growing in the fear of the Lord that displaces the fear of man. And I, I wanted stories in scripture, but how does this, what are, what are stories that we see even today, especially when we think of kids and students, and you had just sent a family discipleship email that had a specific story of a student that I believe um, was highlighting the fear of Lord in his life versus fear of man. So can you share that story? Yeah, it's a story that I ran across, but uh, um, I love it. It's about a kid named Hayden Philpot. Um, he was a student at Lake Mineola High School. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in Minnesota, so I'm going to give a quick <laughs> shout out. Of course you are. It's yeah. Minnesota. <laughs> Not many people give shout outs to Minnesota. That's a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, Hayden, uh, so he showed up early to school one day for See You at the Pole. Um, If you don't know what See You at the Pole is, um, it's a nationwide event that um, middle school, high school, and even uh, many college students uh, take part in um, all around the country and and even some around the world. But uh, the idea is to show up to school early on that morning and to gather around the flagpole um, at your school um, with other believers and to spend time in prayer. Yep. And where where is the flagpole usually? It's right in front right of in the front doors. Yes. And yes. so everyone getting off the buses, everyone getting out of the you know the car drop off line, and everything is going to be walking past that flagpole. And so there's a there's a, um, a a piece of boldness that needs to take place there. And uh, so Hayden shows up at his school that morning for see you at the pole, and he gets there, and to his dismay, there is nobody else already out there at the flagpole. 
And so he kind of had a choice to make. Um, am I going to sit here and wait for others to come, or am I going to go be the first one and to go out there? Um, and so with boldness, he steps out and he stands by his flagpole and he bows his head and he begins to pray. Um, he figures that probably within the next um, handful of moments that others are going to see him, him and come and join in him. Yeah. And what ended up happening was nobody else came that day. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands of kids are walking past him that morning and he is standing there alone and he's bowing his head and um, he's praying. And so um, he, he stood there uh, boldly. He stood there alone. His head was bowed. Um, he prayed. Um, and his mother was asking him later about uh, why he did that, what made him do that. And his response um, was that he, he was praying. Um, the cry of his heart uh, to the Lord was, God, as people drive by, let them wonder, let their hearts be pricked. Yeah. And so uh, is Hayden the most uh, God-fearing um, kid that's out there? No. And I'm sure he struggled day in and day out between uh, the fear of God and the fear of and man. And in that moment. And in that moment. Right. Uh, but in Make that moment, decision. he yeah. chose to do that. And that didn't happen by accident. Um, it's because of the renewal of his mind that he was going through and how he was actively trying to place God as first. And here he was faced with that opportunity and he took it. Yeah. And I love that example because it, it's something that I feel like our kids and, and students can relate to because Proverbs 14, 26, 27 says this, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And that one may, that one may turn away from the snares of death, which goes back to the fear of man being a dangerous trap because it's only through the fear of the Lord, all our students uh, and kids able to not give into pr uh, peer pressure and temptations. They're able to stick close to and live by God's word or not compromise on their beliefs and to live with the compassion and courage that we see in, in Hayden's life um, because they believe God is for them. And if he's for them, who can be against them? And that's why it matters for us to, to talk about this with our students, that if we trust in God, we shall not be afraid of anything else. By doing that, it allows us to walk in life in confidence in the God that we serve and obey, but knowing that he's sovereign over our lives. And so, therefore, why would we need to to worry or fear man, which is a dangerous trap, as Proverbs says. And so, uh, joining next time, uh, we're going to discuss at, uh, um, in detail what are specific examples of fear of man in our lives. But again, we want to continue to grow and understand the fear of the Lord and see how that is uh, what gives victory and freedom uh, in for, for our lives, especially for the kids and students as they think about fear of man. So thank you for joining us and hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home podcast produced by Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.